Hi, welcome to the Group Tour and Travel Podcast by Tour Tools, a podcast by and for tour operators and all things that pertain to the tour and travel industry. We're talking to experienced tour operators and industry insiders about how to better manage your operation and deal with common business challenges. Tour Tools software was originally built by a seasoned tour operator, and it is the most comprehensive customizable software available to tour operators for back office ops and online booking. I'm Erin Preston, owner of Tour Tools, and I'm excited to kick off episode three today with Diana Simonson, Tour Tools senior developer and chief security expert. She'll be talking to us about internet and data security. This topic is important to Tour Tools clients, and we build all of our products with security best practices in mind. What are the current threats? What proactive steps can you take to decrease your risks and stay safe online? Listen in as our host, Amy Spear of Southern Escape Tours, asks Diana these questions and more. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, Diana Simonson, Tour Tools Senior Web Developer and Chief Security Expert, to this month's Group Tour and Travel Tour Tools podcast. With all that's going on in the world these days, there has never been a more pertinent time to talk about company cybersecurity. So that's what we're going to focus on with this month's podcast. Diana, will you start off our time together by sharing a little bit about your experience in the world of cybersecurity? Sure. I've been working in the field for over 25 years, and really, it's been fascinating to watch the change. Back in the mid-90s, when the web first got going, uh, it, it was a lot friendlier. People weren't out there trying to break in and sabotage on the level that they are today. It's, right. it's really ramped up in the past few years. Uh, it's become a war, like a digital mm -hmm. war that involves societies and involves regular people. Right. Uh, and, and it's attacking people, really the, the hackers and the people, the malicious actors uh, are preying on people that are the most vulnerable, uh, often the elderly, uh, people that don't have the resources or the time to keep their systems up to date. If you're stressed out, that's when you're most vulnerable. And as the holidays come along too, they take advantage of those times when they think that people will be away and distracted to try and break in. I've seen it ramp up around the holidays a lot for years. So this is especially a good time to be talking about this. Absolutely. And so, you know, we hear a lot of terms um, in the in the media and things like that, that, that average folks like myself don't really know what they mean. So, for example, we hear about botnets. What exactly is a botnet and, and what is scary about it? Oh, yeah. Well, the botnets are where a lot of the activity comes from. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, not a very high profile person. Nobody's right. going to bother with me. But the problem is that uh, there's infected computers out there mm -hmm. that are uh, acting as web crawlers. They're crawling the web just like a search engine would to find information. And they're entering whatever they can into forums online to try and take over other computers. They, gotcha. they try to 
uh, infect other computers with malicious code that people will then accidentally download themselves when they go to visit those websites. And so mm -hmm. uh, the botnet does that. The botnet also will send out emails. The botnet are basically groups of infected computers okay. uh, that are just operating on their own. Uh, and and uh, there's, there's thousands, thousands of computers in these botnets. Mm -hmm. I think at one point I read there were as many as 30,000 in one. There's wow. various viruses that have botnets. So, uh, you know, th there's multiple brands even. Wow. So that's what the botnets are. Gotcha. It's like an army of computers, an army of of computers with with no one actively behind them pressing buttons but they're just kind of on autopilot seeing what else they can infect gotcha well and that's you know you mentioned the holidays and how you know things ramp up at the holidays and we get a lot more spam i know i'm getting a lot more spam emails these days in my oh, yeah. personal email and so so a lot of what we see attacking our systems and sending us spam you're saying is really automated right it is it is it's automated and then once it finds a score you know once it finds fertile ground it'll notify its owner so that's that's you know when you get some intelligence behind it that actually tries to see what they've scored on and take advantage of any cracks in your infrastructure and also too besides email you get texts these days that mm -hmm. have viruses wow. uh, texts that mimic fedex and ups deliveries and so right. it's really disconcerting that you really need to be careful of what you're clicking on and with email you can see headers uh if you're looking for it and the email has actually gotten better and the uh, email hosts have developed uh, uh better filters and better methods of making sure the email is legit but the the uh, texts are are newer than that in a way, and they're mm -hmm. they're uh, they're trickier because you can't see headers and, and you know things right. behind uh, the the uh, the message in text like you can with email, and that can lead you into just as much trouble on phones. Although with phones you don't get the uh, the severity of the viruses generally. Generally with the phones. Uh, any virus that you get on your phone is going to only live in memory and it's going to be gone when you restart your phone, which you want to do, you know, regularly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and kind of going back to email, what do hackers do when they get your email? Well, uh, a lot of people have their email compromised in some way, and that doesn't mean that somebody is checking your email or can get access to the contents of email that people send you necessarily. Okay. Um, it means that they have your email address. Gotcha. And so uh, they they might uh, trick you into responding to something so that then they've got more information about you. If they get a response back from you, they know that uh, that whatever response you give them gives them information. It gives them information that there's a real person checking this email, mm -hmm. what time they're checking. Uh, it, it also can compromise your signature, which gives them more information with which to try to mimic you. Wow. And if they're going after your clients, if they know who your clients are, right. they're going to use your signature to make it look like oh, they're getting an email from you. Or if they know your family, and that gets especially dangerous. Exactly. Because then you've got 
you know, possibly elderly people or other people that might be vulnerable mm-hmm. thinking that they have an email from you. Right, right. Well, and I know, you know, we hear a lot about antivirus software and we, you know, I have it on my computer. And so I sort of, you know, I guess get lulled into a sense of security with that. But do viruses try to disable antivirus software or what do we need to be cautious about there? They do. Uh, viruses often try to detect and and compromise antivirus software. And, and with emails, too, uh, let me just add that, uh, you know, they'll send you links sometimes that are malicious to viruses uh, or they'll attach, you know, send an attachment. And generally people know, you know, don't click on the links, don't open the attachments. That's one way to get viruses. But a lot of people don't consider the fact that just responding back is going to give them information. So that's why I I really wanted to stress that right off. As far as the antivirus goes, the problem with antivirus is that they're only going to detect known threats. And by the time that they're known and by the time that we've built antivirus software to combat them, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's too late. The reason why that we have antivirus software that targets certain viruses is because those viruses have already become a problem. I see. And so really, you, uh, you have to be on guard, uh, not just with the antivirus software, which you should, uh, especially if you're running windows, you want to run what's recommended by Microsoft, you know, Microsoft Defender, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you want to keep those definitions up to date. You want to keep your operating systems up to date. A lot of times, especially with the Apple operating system, uh, they will have uh, security updates, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll find out about problems and they'll patch those holes. And so you want to keep everything up to date as much as possible. The other thing you want to do is to make backups. You want to make regular backups and because that's going to be your first line of defense. If you get a virus, if it, if it locks you out or if it destroys some of your stuff, you're, you're going to want to be able to recover. And backups can be a key part of your recovery with that. Um, you, uh, you don't necessarily want to have just one backup that's replaced all the time. Because okay. if you don't detect a virus right away and you have it, then that backup is going to have the virus too. I see. Uh, so you want to keep a range of backups so that you can go back uh, as as far as you need to to ensure uh, that your your systems are uh, in place. So that's something to consider with the backups to keep multiple copies and keep them in a secure location because there are viruses that look for backups and look for logs Mm -hmm. and they're specifically looking to get information and break into just those types of systems. Right, right. Well, and, you know, a lot of our tour company um, clients and and fellow friends in the industry all have, you know, are on a server. So how do you keep your server safe? What are things you need to do? in relation to the server? Well, keeping a server safe is more complicated than keeping your personal desktop safe that normally you can keep that behind a firewall. You don't necessarily need people coming in to the firewall to access your system. Whereas with a server, 
it's built to give people information. That's why it's called a server. So there's always some way to get into it. Okay. And there's a lot you can do. There's many layers of protection you can have. You can have it only accessible via VPN, for example. Uh, you should have monitoring software on there. Uh, Sysmon by Microsoft is a great application to, to utilize for that. Uh, you should have someone knowledgeable uh, to administer that server, someone knowledgeable and concerned and up-to-date on security. You want to be regularly educating yourself and your staff on safe practices for that system because that is definitely, you know, running a server is a specialized function. I see. I see. Well, and I know there's been a lot in the media lately about automatic email responders and how those are getting compromised now. So is it safe to use an automatic email responder like an out of office message or is it not safe anymore? Well, I just would not do that personally. If okay. you're going to be out of the office, it's better to have someone cover for you. It's better to have those emails uh, go to a specific place where they can be checked okay. and not just do an auto response. I mean, think of the value of auto responses, really. All they do is let people know that they can't help you. That's right. really what they're doing. So, so why? Why use them? All it's going to do is give hackers more information about how long they have until you get back. Because gotcha. that's how long they have to hack into the rest of your stuff, really. So you, right. you don't want to use those uh, if you can avoid them at all. Uh, reach out to your customers in advance if you know you're going to be gone and you're concerned about their needs. Let them know. Or if you can, refer that traffic to a trusted colleague so that they are getting an answer in a timely manner. So um, that's definitely. And, and back to servers, just for a moment, yeah. the Sysmon that I mentioned briefly, that's a great way to monitor traffic. And that's really what you want to do. Uh, that's a great utility for watching out for malicious behavior is to watch the incoming connections. If you see IPs on there that are from out of the country and you're not expecting traffic from out of the country, then that's definitely a red flag. So, um, you know, or if your computer is like making all these calls to, um, you know, IP calls to, to uh, entities and, and you're not sending emails or surfing the web or doing anything, if you, if you don't feel like there should be anything going on on your system and yet you're seeing all this network activity, that's something you need to figure out. You need to know what your systems are doing, what they're capable of, and you need to be familiar with the preferences too to turn off anything that's automatically on that might give someone access. Okay. Gotcha. That's great advice. Well, and besides the people using the system, what other factors are there in determining the level of protection and the types of systems that we should all be putting in place? Well, I would say that uh, overall, you just want to uh, protect your work machines. It's good to have dedicated machines mm -hmm. uh, that, that are only for work and only okay. for certain purposes that you're not, you know, letting your children download games onto. Right. You're not playing games. You're not surfing the web, even if you can avoid it, you know, have dedicated machines. The less you have going on on the computer, the easier it's going to be to figure out 
what the network traffic is if you're seeing it mm -hmm. um, and, and to be alerted if anything goes awry. Don't install applications that you don't need. You okay. know? And, and if you do, watch the permissions that they ask for. Okay. If you've installed a flashlight app and it's asking for permissions to access your your uh, <laughs> your your phone calls, <laughs> right. that's a bad sign. Right. You need to be aware of, of what these applications are doing. Gotcha. That is great advice, Diana. Well, and let's go back to viruses for just a minute. What other ways are viruses spread besides emails? Like, for example, can I get a virus from surfing websites, especially those that I visit all the time, like Amazon.com or something like that? Well, Amazon.com is usually safe, but a lot of times you will find blogs and okay. with malicious software. WordPress is notorious for having security holes and people take advantage of those security holes and upload malicious software that leads people to viruses, even on sites that they are used to going to regularly. And so you, you do need to be aware, even if it's a site that you're familiar with, especially if it's a blog or a, a WordPress site, uh, those are especially vulnerable. So yeah, that's there. And also too, it's amazing how they can be, how, how viruses can be spread. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something they call worms that okay. can actually be spread via thumb drives. And a lot of the times too, viruses will have multiple components to them now. You've got the installer and maybe the installer will check and see what operating your system you're running. And if you have any vulnerabilities and depending on what it finds, it will download more viruses wow. to take advantage of the situation. So the viruses are becoming really smart. They're organized. Uh, there are, are hackers working together that have that, that uh, pay to have their viruses included in some of these package deals. <laughs> so it's, it's really getting malicious out there, unfortunately. Absolutely. Well, and what do you do if you think you have a virus? Do you just shut off your computer right away to limit damage or do you leave it on or what, what's the best thing to do if you think you've got a virus? Well, you want to be very careful about just shutting down the computer okay? because for one thing, you want to make sure that you're collecting information about what's going on. Uh, you do want to limit damage. You want to mm -hmm. limit lost data, mm -hmm. uh, but that can be hard to do once you have a virus. Uh, I would say if it's obvious that there's a malicious IP that's um, that's that's hitting your machine, you you could block that. You could take it off the network, perhaps, so that you don't lose any more data. But you want to make sure you preserve logs. You don't want logs overwritten mm -hmm. uh, when you, you restart, because you want to know what that virus did. In I certain see. states, you might have to notify people whose contact information has been compromised. Um, right. That is a law in California. Uh -huh. It may be a law in other states as well. You want to be familiar with your obligations uh, to other people whose data you have. That's very important. Some of those are legal liability obligations. And so you want to have a plan in place. You want to consult experts. You want to have someone to call if it looks like things are going wrong. And you don't necessarily just want to shut everything down right away. 
And also, you do not want to let the hacker know that mm-hmm. you know they're there. Right. You don't want to communicate on a compromised network because the more you let them know, even if you let them know that you're aware of their presence, the less evidence that you're going to be able to collect on you know, what exactly is going on because they're going to try to cover their tracks unless it's ransomware and then you know, you're going to know pretty much as soon as it, the lockdown happens there. Okay. So it's, um, yeah, it's important to keep in mind and stay calm. You know, you don't want to panic. That's one of the first things you want to not panic and you want to limit the virus from accessing other machines. Too. Okay. You don't want to allow it to infect everything else on your network. Right. Right. Well, and how can you tell if you have a virus? Like I, I don't consider myself very tech savvy and don't know all the back ends of my, you know, computer and, and system maybe like I should. So how can I tell just practically if I've got a virus or what's running in the background? Well, there are activity monitors, but unfortunately, the viruses often, um, they can uh, avoid detection with the regular uh, utilities that we use to see what's going on. Although with the network stuff, I think, you know, that's pretty hard to avoid mm-hmm. uh, because there are there's software that pretty much detects everything going in and out. And that's why the SysMon can be such a great help with that. Um Really, a lot of times they're subtle. And, gotcha. Uh, unless you have ransomware that's going to shut down your system mm-hmm. and threaten you with, with uh, you know, keep, you have to pay money to, to get that unlocked, mm-hmm. um, then you, you might not know it. And sometimes you can tell that there's something going on because things will be slow. You okay. know, things will just be slow and it seems like something's taking up bandwidth or something's taking up CPU and you can't tell what it is. Once in a while, maybe you'll see something flash, you know, you'll see uh, a uh, something flash really fast. That, that could be a bad sign of something firing off in the background. Okay. Um, there can be other subtle signs as well. Uh, particularly with something that's communicating over your network. So you just want to, you know, be vigilant. I see. Well, and you talked a little bit earlier about backups and how important those are. So if you do get a virus, can you just restore your backup and sort of have it all go away? Or how does that work? Well, it's usually not that simple, unfortunately, because like I said before, you want to make sure that the backups haven't been compromised. Right. And then also, too, those backups are going to take you back to a point in time where you perhaps, if you're lucky, you didn't have the virus, but then uh, you know that that operating system is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Something happened that allowed someone to infect that system. So... Uh, maybe it was a mistake that you made. If you know that you, right. you know, shouldn't have clicked on that link or shouldn't have <laughs> right. opened that attachment, then then you can avoid doing that going forward. Right. But if you don't know what it was, then it's possible that you're running something that is a security hole. You need to make sure that you update. So I would say restore and then do a system check and update anything that needs to be updated. And, and if at all possible, it's important to determine what happens so that not only do you know what all has been compromised, you know how to fix it and make sure it doesn't happen again. Right, right. Well, we have time for just about one last question. So I want to close our time together, Diana, with asking you, 
Is there anything else that you would advise people to do to stay cyber safe these days? Well, I think it's important to have a plan in place. Okay. And to regularly uh, execute that plan uh -huh. as drills. That's okay. what businesses do, uh, like banks, uh, places that, that have liability. Uh, they are sometimes required by law to have uh, plans in place where they can show what they're going to do if they get a virus on one of their machines, whether it's to be able to swap out the machine for one that's safe or uh, whether it's, it's uh, some other precaution. Those plans should include how you're going to communicate, who you're going to communicate with. Uh, you don't necessarily want to alert the public right away because in doing so, you're just giving other potential hackers information that you, you have a problem that they may be able to take advantage of. So, uh, you know, you want to be very careful with the information, mm -hmm. with your press releases, mm -hmm. with, uh, with, with the protocol that you follow, and all that should be in the plan, and all your employees should be educated as to that plan so you don't have anybody, you know, going off on social media talking about things that they shouldn't be talking about. Absolutely. Well, Diana, thank you so much for your enlightening and valuable answers today. Your knowledge is so important and so invaluable to, to Tour Tools, to both our staff and to all of our clients. So we thank just want to thank it's been you. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in to our group tour and travel podcast by Tour Tools. We hope everyone has a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.